You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Western New York is celebrating tonight. And whether you're celebrating at home or away, uh, this weekend, next week, Tops Friendly Markets has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. Welcome in to the biggest post-game edition of Shout a Buffalo Football Podcast of the season, no matter the result. This was going to be one where I think everybody wanted to tune in, get our thoughts on the big game. Buffalo Bills versus New England Patriots, AFC East hanging in the balance, and the Buffalo Bills come out and win in convincing fashion here. I should have stuck with my first pick, Ryan Talbot, because mm. it was about in the you know ballpark. 33-21 uh, was how it finished. I had it 34-14, obviously. A lot of moving pieces. We'll get into it all. But most important takeaway, the Buffalo Bills now control their own destiny in the AFC East after I think a lot of doubt crept in over the last few weeks. Yeah, a lot of doubt, a lot of bad play, a lot of shooting themselves in the foot over the course of this season. But now, you know, Bills fans and the Bills themselves get a little extra present under the tree one day after Christmas, a big win over the Patriots. They're in the driver's seat in the AFC East. And now back-to-back wins, two winnable games left. They can enter the playoffs, Matt, on, on a hot streak. And, th- you know, that's what you want to do. You want to enter the postseason playing your best football. You know, a couple quick thoughts before we get into, you know, the game. You know, I was walking around Gillette Stadium today. I said it on the pregame show. And outside in the parking lot, inside, like looking around at the stands, you know, looking around – I couldn't help but notice all these number 12 New England Patriots jerseys walking around in Foxborough. And it got me to thinking, listen, I know he's the GOAT. I know he, you know, six championships and all of the the lore around Tom Brady. But I think it's time to move on. And what it tells me is that I think that there is some doubt, some Please show me more in Mac Jones. I know there's been a lot of people nationally that want to crown Mac Jones, and we'll we'll get plenty into his game today. But I just think that this, you know, this Patriots fan base was waiting for a big performance from Mac Jones in a big spot. Could have happened today. It didn't. And, you know, here's another piece, something I tweeted out a few minutes ago. You know, the last 20 years, Ryan, have been so hard 
in Western New York for football fans. The memories in this stadium, whether you were watching this team live or watching back in, uh, in, in Western New York, you know, the dominance that the Patriots have had over the Bills over the years, it's kind of ironic in a way and almost fitting the way the Bills won this game today because of all the ways that the Patriots have won over the years. I felt like, you know, Bills fans were, you know, or, or Patriots fans were starting to get excited about this Patriots team, right? You know, the, the national folks were, were all on board. Mac Jones, rookie of the year, this, this stout defense, Bill Belichick getting everything back together. And then right at the height of the, the, you know, the hype and the excitement, the Buffalo Bills come in here. A lot of people picking them to lose. Nobody on this show. And they just, you know, laid the wood. They laid the lumber. There was a lot of really good performances today. The Buffalo Bills now can win the AFC East pretty easily. Uh, as for those fans, they apparently don't want to check down to a Mac Jones jersey at this point, and that's pretty much all Mac Jones could do in this matchup. He he is a you. I saw his passing chart after the game, and most of them are right at the line of scrimmage, short passes, safe passes. Uh, and listen, he's a guy that you can win with when you have the perfect storm. You have a good running game, you have a really good mm-hmm. defense. But we've seen now in back to back weeks when this Patriots team has gotten down. Mac Jones cannot get it done uh, late in the game where he finally threw a ball downfield. It was just an easy interception for the Bills secondary. It was more so who was going to intercept the ball. Two players were closest to it. Had another ball that should have been intercepted by Levi Wallace where he was well off the mark. Mac Jones is a game manager. Mac Jones is Chad Pennington. Maybe he's Baker Mayfield. He came into the NFL uh, ready to play, but what's his ceiling? He might already be there, Matt. He, he's just a player that, I want to have a ton of faith in to, to develop into some all pro great Tom Brady type player that some people in the media were, were praising him to be mid season when they started that win streak against some inferior opponents. And, you know, you mentioned it. it it's funny. The, the whole bills fans in Western New York having to go through that whole Tom Brady era. You have to wonder if it's starting to creep into the minds of Patriots fans and Patriots media that they might be on the receiving end of a similar type quarterback in Buffalo now for the foreseeable future. You know, he's won three of the last four against the Patriots. It took 55, 50, 55 mile an hour wind <clears> gust <throat> just to slow him down, even though the Bills moved the ball with ease against the Patriots in that first matchup as well. So a, a fluky finish or a fluky game where the Bills don't go to 4-0 against the Patriots in the last four games. But he has been unbelievable against Bill Belichick and this Patriots defense. He's made it look easy. You've seen media members in New England say, boy, if I had an MVP vote, it would go to Josh Allen or um, some of them just in disbelief about how wrong they were on this quarterback from when he first came out to where he is now. When you have a quarterback like Josh Allen, he can keep you in games. He can help you win divisions. He can help you get to the Super Bowl. And the Bills have one of those quarterbacks. The Patriots do not. Yeah. And, you know, Josh Allen today, I think definitively entered that top tier. You know, this was one of those performances that not only put him in the MVP conversation now, but this is one of those ones that now he's going to be a household name. This is a, this is a signature win. He's got a bunch of them. Over the last two years. I mean, you know, you can go back. I mean, I still, you know, people want to downplay that performance in New England last year when he threw four touchdown passes and that this place was, was empty. Well, the defense is probably 10 to 15 times better this season. And he pretty much replicated it today without, with a couple, you know, probably more incompletions. But man, what a composure to, and I asked Sean McDermott about this in the, in the post game press conference about, you know, 
Kyle Van Noy came out and said, we noticed pretty early on that there was an energy about this Bills team on the other side. You know, you go back to the Jacksonville game when, you know, the Jacksonville, you know, players noticed that there was a lack of energy. And I asked him about like, all right, what's the balance between, all right, having energy, being confident versus being having too much energy and you know, maybe taking stupid penalties. And, you know, he said, it's just about like being professional and, you know, coming in here and, and, and making, you know, staying focused on task, all the kind of cliches that he's thrown around all the years. I feel like this team today embody what I think that they envision themselves to be at their best. And most importantly, it's a team that has full confidence and comfort in their quarterback and Devin Singletary, a man of very few words said, was asked about what's it like having Josh Allen as your quarterback. And he says, it's simple. It's no worries. Yeah. Listen, anytime the bills needed to play today, Josh Allen was just in, in, in sync with this offense, whether it was that fourth and uh, one late in the game where, it was a design quarterback keeper and he went around the left-hand side, uh, juked two players where they pretty much collided into one another and he gains eight yards, whether it's big third down, fourth down conversions, throwing sidearm to Stefan Diggs, pitching that last touchdown to Dawson Knox. He was unbelievable. And, and you said, you know, he pretty much replicated his stats from last year's game at Gillette. He, he almost had better stats, man. He should have probably ended this game with five touchdowns. He, he should have mm-hmm. put a little more air on the, on the throw to um, Jake Kumaro. He had Emmanuel Sanders drop a touchdown in the end zone. So we could be sitting here talking about a five-touchdown performance from Josh Allen. Now, mind you, 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, 60-plus yards rushing. That's still a pretty nice day at the office, but he was absolutely dominant to the point where the Bills punter didn't even see the field other than holding the ball for Tyler Bass today. I think when you are a team that comes into, uh, you know, uh, a franchise like New England's house, they're the number one scoring defense in the NFL, and you put up 33 on them. Only one other team this season has scored over 30 points in a game against them, and that was the OT game against Dallas. Listen, the game was never in doubt. So you, we can, I guess, semantics, we can argue like, you know, how the game was played. But I never felt, even in the fourth quarter, you know, the Bills. You know, made it interesting. Damon Harris gets that last touchdown. And I, I definitely think that this could have, you know, it, New England could have got back in the game. But just the way Josh Allen was playing, the way this offense was moving the ball and the way that Mac Jones, maybe more so, was playing and the limited, you know, uh, options Josh McDaniels had in his tool bag. It was, listen, we're, we want you to run. The more you run. Listen, you're probably going to score a couple touchdowns, which they did. Damian Harris had a big game, but there's not enough explosion. And it goes back to what Leslie Frazier talked to me about earlier in the week when I asked him about giving up those big run plays. He's like, yeah, it's something we're working on, but you got to remember at the same time, we limit a lot of explosive plays, especially in the passing game, which in this game, it was so important. And you just you, you go to Josh Allen, and I think this game, too was a perfect marriage of Josh Allen, the pocket passer, Josh Allen, the playmaker, uh, you know, uh, off script as a, as a passer. And then what he's able to do when he scrambles with the ball, there was that point. I can't remember. I think it was maybe in the third quarter where the Patriots were trying to start to build some momentum and they had uh, the bills in a third down, had great pressure on the play. It seemed like Josh Allen was dead to rights. And all he does is kind of look around a little bit, you know, find an opening and, before you know it, it's a 26 yard gain. I feel like he just stresses out defenses and he's so comfortable. Now I go back to what Tredavious white said last year when they started off so hot, they're like, yeah, listen, this is great. You know, the bills were like, you know, the talk of the league, they were on their way to 13 wins. It was like, I mean, is this, is, is this as good as it gets? And he's like, listen, it's great, but you want to be playing your best football 
in December, in January. And I think that the one caveat with Bill's early season struggles, the up and down nature to it, I always kind of had that caveat, that little note for Bill's fans of hope to be like, you know, you don't want to be playing your best in November and September. I know it in October. I know it's frustrating at times because you want to see a Super Bowl contender look like it. But now it seems like that snowball is collecting snow, rolling downhill. This offense really knows who it is. All of a sudden, 11 touchdowns in their last 16 trips mm-hmm. into the red zone, Ryan. That is exceptional production. Yeah, that's what we needed to see from this team. It, they were stumbling in the red zone earlier this season. They were leaving points on the board. And yeah, they had one turnover on downs at the one yard line with some questionable play calling today, three straight passes. Uh, but overall, they were phenomenal these last three games. And, and you're right, they're figuring things out. And, and that's kind of the bright spot here, Matt. They didn't have Gabriel Davis today, who's had three touchdowns in three consecutive games, four touchdowns over that stretch, six over that that part uh, or of, over the whole course of the season. But they had Isaiah McKenzie, who stepped up in a big-time way. They had Stefan Diggs, who once again showed that he can win that one-on-one matchup with J.C. Jackson, even when he's at less than 100%. Dawson Knox with another score to tie Hunter Henry atop the uh, AFC, you know, or actually the NFL in, in touchdown receptions among tight ends. So everyone is stepping up, or players keep stepping up. They're getting more and more options as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. So come playoff time, when they have... Cole Beasley, when they have Isaiah McKenzie, Gabriel Davis, and, and Diggs, uh, Knox, and the list goes on and on and on. Emmanuel Sanders, who had some rust that he had to shake off today. It's a lot of mouths to feed, but it's a good problem to have, especially like you said, when, when you have no shortage of options to move the ball and really frustrate defenses. We'll shift gears to the offensive line because you talk about Josh Allen's day, and I don't think you could say enough about the job that they did in front of him. And mm-hmm. I mean, I thought today, like Ryan Bates was outstanding and in a spot it, really tough. You get in there at right guard, you know, he's, I think, been kind of kept held back this season as the kind of emergency center, but they were in a situation today. Uh, Deion Dawkins gets activated off the COVID list yesterday. They looked like they were putting him through some workouts during, uh, you know, uh, pregame. And they got to a point where Sean McDermott opted not to start Deion Dawkins, which moved Spencer Brown back to the left side. Deion Dawkins back out to the, you know, right tackle and they, and they went with, you know, Ryan Bates instead of a Bobby Hart, a, a veteran guy uh, and putting him at tackle and, and Daryl Williams inside. And I thought that Bates was really good. Bummer for Ike Butker, uh, a favorite of the show over the years. Um, he ruptures his Achilles, has to leave the game. They move Ryan Bates over to the left side at left guard. They bring in Deion Dawkins off the bench who played really strong against Matthew Judon. You can't say enough about his effort was in really good spirits talking about how the second bout with COVID went much better than the first one, obviously. And, you know, uh, they still wanted to kind of take it slow with him, but they brought him in for the, for that stretch after Ike Butker got hurt. He was really good. So it was Deion Dawkins, Ike Butker, Mitch Morse, Daryl Williams, then went inside to right guard where I think he played outstanding. I mean, Josh Allen was pretty clean up the middle for the most part. You got to give credit to Mitch Morse and you got to give credit to Daryl Williams. I thought he was really good. And then Spencer Brown on the right side again, you know, the bills were able to run the ball when they needed to, you know, Devin Singletary had a couple really good plays in this game, but you can't say enough about this offensive line. And I think, you know, what was different today, you know, I think Bates brought a mentality and I think that they just rallied around each other. That was one of the big things that, you know, Mitch Morse was talking about, like seeing Deion Dawkins at the plane, on Saturday, you know, there was just knowing what he went through to be there. It's like when a guy goes through all that 
you know, a second bout, bout of, with COVID, knowing what it was like the first time around, shows up, gets on the plane, and is and is available and ready to go on game day. I, I, I'm just going to say that I think that this offensive line got a real boost and juice from that. Absolutely. And listen, even even before Deion Dawkins hit the field, I thought this O line was playing pretty well. And that was impressive considering uh how they were aligned, what they had to do. Again, it's been it's been patchwork, man. They didn't think that Deion Dawkins was going to be good enough to play today in terms of we want to limit him. We don't want to push him out there too soon. When push came to shove, though, he needed to come out. So even before Dawkins came out, unbelievable. When he came out, it was even better, though. Dawkins was great. You go out down from left to right tackle down that line. They all deserve a game ball for, for their play today and keeping Matthew Judon and the Patriots at bay. And, yes, there were certain plays where Allen had to move up in the pocket where he had to roll out to the right. But this was one of the top defenses in the league, and they just kind of kept them at bay, and they let Josh Allen have a clean pocket quite a few times. Hit Isaiah McKenzie across the middle over and over. Find Stefan Diggs short. They're figuring things out, and that's including across the offensive line. Now, if Bills fans want to sit here and say, why haven't they done this all year with Ryan Bates? I would understand that frustration, but it goes back to what you said. He's kind of that emergency center. He's that emergency lineman. He's so versatile uh, that he can play all across the line, but you know, maybe that's not a good reason not to have him out here. He's been in the system so long that fans are like, why is he not playing? Why are we not seeing more from him? He plays today, and he plays great, Matt. And and listen, I get Feliciano. He'll be back sooner rather than later, most likely. The, the Bills might have to sit here and say, listen, we can't just keep a guy, hold a guy back because he can play across the line. We have to have our best five guys out there with the playoffs coming, and that might just be Ryan Bates at one of those five spots. It's going to be interesting because, you know, I saw John Feliciano post on his Instagram account that he was, it looked like he had an IV or something in there. He said he was going to, put you know do something whatever the IV was and watch the game this afternoon so you wonder how close you know he is to getting back and you can kind of like ramp him up slowly now that you have Ryan Bates maybe going to a game and I think Richard makes a good point Feliciano can be your backup emergency center until he gets back to full health and see where you're at with Williams inside and Ryan Bates inside and maybe you landed on your new best five and you know there's there's been a lot of people waiting and you know patiently to see what Ryan Bates could look like as a part of this line. And, you know, the, the cool thing for him and the bills is that he continues to flash his number one trait that I think the bills covet. And that's the ability to move around, you know, Daryl Williams, uh, Catherine Fitzgerald from the Buffalo news did a story with him this week. Talked to him, talked to a couple of people about Daryl Williams this is a good read. I, I recommend going and checking out, um, you know, he's a guy that came in and said, I really want to play right tackle. You know, when he earned that job last year, he said it was important to him, but he's a guy that's bought in and, you know, had no qualms about moving inside because it's what the team wanted him to do. And he, and he's been good there. You know, that's the kind of attitude that, you know, some of these guys that move around, even Spencer Brown, when he was at left tackle today, I thought did admirably. He, you know, the penalties weren't there today. I have to go back. I don't think he had a single penalty today. I have to go back and actually look uh, specifically at it. So, you know, there's that too. But this, this is a huge step for an offensive line against a defensive front that admittedly was without Dietrich Wise, one of their, you know, top, um, you know, uh, pass rushers defensive front uh lineman uh Matthew Judon was you know not nearly as impactful as I felt he was a couple weeks ago no I agree completely with that like I said offensive line you give them kudos you give Dawson Knox kudos who uh, did a great job blocking today as well in, in addition to his touchdown reception so the Bills had pretty much all the answers to that Patriots pass rush uh best performance we've seen in some time but Matt I think it's time now to talk about our friend Isaiah McKenzie and what a performance he had today. 
the franchise. Isn't it so funny? <laughs> I mean, literally, you can go back and call up that clip where he was coming off the practice field or going onto the practice field, I think. And somebody from the Bills asked him, uh, you know, some question. He says, yeah, I'm, I'm the face for the franchise, joking around, I think. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe he believes it because he's a very confident guy. He's always talking some trash. And Deion Dawk has called him like, you know, a little missile today or a little stormtrooper. He plays like, you know, a missile on the field. And, you know, he got a kick out of watching him go out, sprawl out for, for catches, bounce off the turf and bounce right back up. You know, this was a signature game from McKenzie. The second time now he started in this offense in the last year uh, as the premier slot receiver. And now another signature performance in a spot where, you know, listen, I know it's been a, a tumultuous argumentative type of week, all this stuff with COVID. And anytime you tweet anything out, you know, I I tweeted out, I was joking with my wife yesterday. I tweeted out, you know, that Tyreek Hill had, had tested positive for COVID on Tuesday and was activated off the COVID list on Saturday. And, you know, I quote tweeted Ian Rappaport and I, and I simply said, you know, Hill's going to play tomorrow. You know, that he tested positive the same day as Cole Beasley. Just a couple of facts, just to kind of give some perspective on what could have been in this spot. And, you know, obviously it, it garnered a lot of, you know, combative replies. And listen, I get it. There's so many people, you know, dug in on this thing, you know, but the, the bottom line is, and here's been my point on it all. And I think I said this, you know, a couple of weeks ago on one of these shows is it's not about, getting vaccinated or not getting vaccinated and the theory behind that or the, the, the belief behind that. It's about the rules that are in place for the 53 football players that are on your roster. If you're a Bills fan, if you're a Bills coach, if you're a front office member, if you're a media member, whoever, if you're looking onto this situation, it's about making yourself available for the team. Every other thing we always talk about. You know, when it comes to being available, like guys that maybe are injury prone, something that people have just been banging on Star Latulale about for the past five years since he signed that contract. It's the same concept. You're not, you're only as good as how available you are for your team. So it's about that simplistic point. Isaiah McKenzie is a perfect example of this. He didn't want to get vaccinated. He was pretty outspoken about it back hmm. in the summer. He came to camp and I don't think he was vaccinated. Remember, he got uh, fined for mask mishaps at the facility. We learned today that Cole Beasley has been fined, by the way. Chris Mortensen reported roughly around $100,000 this year for COVID protocol violations, which is wild. But McKenzie ended up just biting the bullet, getting vaccinated. It comes back to what I tweeted out about Emmanuel Sanders, where he basically said, you know, accountability, availability. How, how can you be available for your team? And Isaiah McKenzie was available for his team today, made, made use of a huge opportunity. And I think that's just kind of what it comes down to and what I keep coming back to. And it's like a lot of people are saying, like, oh, you're beating a dead horse. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. I'm just trying to highlight and illustrate the point of it. Uh, and, and I think some people are never going to get it. And it's something that I think I, I did uh, have a converse, side conversation with somebody, a respectful one uh, uh, yesterday. But I, I'm guilty, Ryan. Sometimes I feel bad. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet something and, and sometimes people don't realize this. I just mute the conversation. You almost have to in these times. I, t- I was talking about this also with my wife. It's such a toxic place sometimes where people just want to get into the, the fight of it. You know, I think that that is what motivates people more than even their thought or their take on the, the topic. It's more about how do I get in here and just voice my opinion and take my frustrations out. And sometimes 
in, in our business, you got to kind of avoid that and pick your pick and choose your battles. And sometimes I'm a little snippy on there. I apologize. It's just kind of a, 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 a it's the nature of the beast sometimes. But I think what the Bills landed on today could be really beneficial long term in that they had two guys that were very important to this offense and Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley out and they found a way to produce and still be this offense that I think Bills fans have been waiting to see all season. And now you have more tools in your box, you know, as you go through the rest of the way. Yeah, a hundred percent. Listen, Cole Beasley may have been Wally Pip today. Uh, And if you don't know the Wally Pip history, look it up, kids go to Wikipedia. I don't think this year he's going to lose Cole Beasley is going to lose his job to Isaiah McKenzie, but I think 2022 and beyond it might happen. I could see the bills saying, listen, Isaiah, you know, we, we don't want you to be a return, man. We, we don't have faith in you there. And I, they've been very blunt about that, but two games now, Matt, you mentioned it last year against Miami today against new England. He has shown up in a big way in both games for this offense. He creates a lot of, problems for defenses just with the motion plays we saw that last week on the Devin Singletary (laughs) touchdown run against Carolina he does a little bit more right now than Cole Beasley now Cole Beasley's been injured this year I think he's lost a little bit of a step in general he's still a very good slot receiver but if you can get McKenzie to resign here at at a you know a boost from what he was obviously making when he when he resigned this offseason but not something that's going to break the bank I think he's a better option going forward, especially when you talk. And and again, I'm not going to beat the dead horse here either. But when you have a wide receiver that has racked up $100,000 or close to it in, you know, penalties from the league for breaking protocols, there's something that the team needs to pretty much sit there and say, we can't have this again in 2022. We understand your stance on the matter. We respect it. We're not forcing anyone to do anything. But you're also putting this team at risk by breaking this protocol over and over and over again. Isaiah McKenzie, if he steps up next week as well, if that he has a little bit of that momentum, there's no reason for me to think that the Bills wouldn't be confident in him being their slot receiver in 2022 and beyond. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. All right, let's move um, to the defensive side uh, of the ball because it, very interesting the way this game played out. Uh, and before we do, from hot to go pizza and appetizers, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs to delicious salads and brownie trays, Tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. Make sure you get over to Tops today. Maybe even grab yourself a little breakfast pizza. You've earned it. Uh, it's mm. the holiday season. You know, you don't have to watch your cars. And so, uh, yeah, I thought defensively, you know, interesting, a couple of big plays uh, made today. And I think that the, you know, obviously the game plan was, we know you're going to be able to run the ball. It's going to be a physical battle up front. We're going to try to, you know, force you to um, kick field goals or punt. And let's go over the possessions here, Ryan, for, for the New England Patriots. It went punt, touchdown, interception, punt, punt, touchdown, touchdown, interception. Four of their first five drives ended without points. And I think that just from a game plan, philosophical approach, that's where you want to be 
in this matchup. You want to give your offense a chance to take the lead, which the Bills offense did. And that kind of puts the pressure on Mac Jones, which we obviously saw he didn't do well with it once again this week. Uh, eight days removed from, you know, the Indianapolis Colts kind of, you know, executing a similar game script against him. And I think the Bills basically came into this game and said, listen, we know Damian Harris is good. We know you're going to be able to run the ball. We are going to kind of give that up a little bit, try to limit the big runs as much as, as, as we can. They gave up a couple of 10 plus yarders, but not that big, like, gashing 64 yarder like they did in the first time around and they kind of just managed the way that the the, the new england patriots were able to run the ball and and in the end in the second second half i felt man the, the patriots are still having success running the ball but man that clock is winding down at that off and the bills offense continues to score they're going to be left with you know no time left on the clock and that's in a cup in in, in a kind of sideways way is what happened but Obviously, the offense, the Bills offense made plays in the fourth quarter, but I, I kind of like the way that the Bills played this game. And I think they can probably apply a similar script should they play the uh, vaunted, you know, feared Indianapolis Colts uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. A lot of fans are, you know, worried about the Colts. And listen, I think that they're probably among the top two, three AFC teams right now. They're, they're a really good team, but I think. You know, in a rematch for the Bills, there's offensive opportunities and they're only going to be a running team. As long as you allow them to be, in my opinion, that's that's what you have to do. You have to do something offensively to get these teams out of running. And I think at times today, the, the Patriots had to pass and it didn't go well. Yeah, Damian Harris over 100 yards, I think three scores on the ground in this game. So he was phenomenal. He was great, but you're right. They, they pretty much said, okay, run the ball. Uh, if that's going to be your main course of action, it's going to take a lot of time off the clock and go back to the third quarter. The Bills had a long drive that ended in points. The Patriots had a long drive that ended in a touchdown with multiple fourth down conversions, I think, for both teams in those two drives. And then the Bills had the ball to start the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden, the quarter or the end of the third quarter, and it was over. There was it was that's how quickly the third quarter went because of the the clock running uh, for both of those drives. So it worked to Buffalo's benefit in this game, saying if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to score somewhat fast here. You're going to have to keep up with us. And they can't do that when it's just leaning on Damian Harris. And I know we didn't play today, but Stevenson, when he eventually gets back, you have to have a quarterback that you can trust to move the ball down the field. And. Mac Jones, to his credit, he converted some third down, some fourth down plays in this offense today, but they were all safe throws. They're all short throws. They were uh, nothing that made you sit there and drop your jaw. They were, you know, pretty much all at the line of scrimmage where someone got open and kudos to them. And then maybe they made a play after the catch to move the chains. But Mac Jones was just extremely average today. That's all you can say. So the Bills went in with that same blueprint that the Colts went into. It's going to be the same blueprint that I think you're going to try. The Dolphins are going to try to do here in a few weeks to New England as well. Now, mind you, they don't have a gunslinger in Tua, but they're pretty much going to say if we can get a lead early in that game, we're going to feel decent about our chances. Whether that happens, time, you know, time will tell. But there's kind of a script now on Mac Jones and this Patriots offense and the Patriots as a whole. And if you have enough talent to execute it, I think you can really put this team in trouble early and end up winning the game. Another piece of this is like the the approach, you know, at the top. And and I think, you know, hearing what Josh Allen had to say about this after the, the game was telling. And, you know, he basically said it meant a lot that Sean McDermott trusted them 
to go for it as much as they did on fourth down. And I think one of the big storylines coming into this game, what, what people were watching was how was Sean McDermott going to respond after kind of going conservative in, you know, admittedly bad weather conditions. And sometimes it, it is probably better to play the safe route in a game like that. But I think in the end, it probably cost them. I mean, you got to kind of try to make plays when the elements are like that. And maybe they learned something from that. But today he basically said, listen, I felt like the best approach was to be aggressive. He liked how the offense was playing early in the game. They ended up going three for four on fourth downs between the two teams, seven of eight on fourth downs. I mean, if you want to talk about a game where, you know, really indicating the kind of success you can have by going for it on fourth down. I mean, if the, if the Patriots don't go for it on fourth down as much as they did, this game probably isn't as close as it finished. I thought Sean McDermott came in here and had one of his stronger performances in a big spot against Bill Belichick, who, you know, a couple of weeks ago, however you want to look at that post game, you know, hullabaloo where he was asked about, you know, Bill and, you know, if he was getting upset on the sideline and he said, I don't want to give Bill Belichick, let's not give him too much credit. I think this was a game where he came in composed, his team fed off that. And I think they used the energy a little bit of that confidence. The first fourth down, Ryan. On the first drive of the game, fourth and short in the red zone, you you were moving the ball down the field and you said, listen, we're going to try to you know keep the foot on the gas. We're going to go for it. You get Isaiah McKenzie the ball. Obviously, that kind of energized and sparked him a little bit in this offense. I really like that part of it because as these games go on, you're going to have to lean on this offense, especially in some of these games against some of these teams that can run the ball. You know, if they're going to control the game and, you know, try to kind of bring it down to a, you know, even the Patriots try to do that today, you know, try to, you know, bring the, the, the tempo of the game down and like slogging long drives. The way you get out of that is aggressive offense where you're putting up points and they did that today. Yeah, hundred percent. And after that first game, you know, Boston media, whether it was TV or radio, were having a field day with McDermott saying, don't give Belichick too much credit. They said that uh, Belichick and Mac Jones broke the bills. Uh, but Sean McDermott came in here today and he outcoached Bill Belichick. He was aggressive. He was the better head coach. He trusted his offense. He made enough plays to enter uh, Gillette Stadium and exit with a win. Third win in the last four games. So once again, you go back to that first game, the Bills did have better field position throughout the game. They were in the red zone quite a few times. They just didn't execute. So when Josh Allen comes out this week and says, that's all I want for Christmas is to execute on offense. And that's exactly what they did. Not punting one time, having one turnover on downs uh, overall in that game, but just being absolutely masterful on that side of the ball. It just kind of goes to show you that it's obviously week to week league, but the the weather, the wind gusts, that benefited New England in such a big time way that uh, had the wind not been there, the Bills probably cruised to a win at home against New England as well, the way they moved the ball in that Patriots defense both times this year. So kudos to Sean McDermott for backing up his previous statement from a few weeks back, coming into this game, making a statement. Now it's up to the Bills to continue that momentum with games against the Falcons and the Jets remaining. Uh, definitely winnable games. And if they do that, they'll be AFC East champions for the second year in a row. I want to finish the show with kind of like a rapid fire, just like quick shout outs. There's a bunch of things I want to get into here. We'll start it off with a huge play in the game. And let me just find out where it was because that's kind of important. Uh, did you notice, Ryan, there was McDermott and Leslie Frazier were, were using Saran Neal kind of, I'll be interested to see where the final uh, snap count lands. But early in the game, uh, Levi Wallace was injured. 
uh, for a couple plays. They brought in Saran Neal and immediately Mac Jones. You know, it's typical, right? You bring in a, a backup cornerback, especially a guy that was supposed to be a safety a couple years ago. And the, the logic is, all right, we're going to attack that guy. And so he did that. And if you watch the replay, it's almost like Jay Klein, veteran type move, realized that, okay, Saran Neal's in the game. Mac Jones is looking at him directly. I'm going to adjust myself to try to get myself in position to make a play on the ball. He tips it. Neil tips it. Micah Hyde uh, interception. Huge play. Those are the kind of little things that, you know, I, I think the Bills ended up going. Did they score off of that? The, the field no, goal that's the, that's the uh, turnover on downs, I believe. That's when they marked ah, down. Right, 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 right. But it was right. still a huge point in the game, Matt. Listen, A.J. Klein, Saran Neal, these guys are, are those – not, I don't want to say afterthoughts, but they're guys you don't think of when you think of the Buffalo mm-hmm. Bills defenders. Uh, and they both made a big play in this game, getting their hands in the ball. Neil's such a physical player. He, you know, when he was out there, I thought he did a nice job today. I thought the, the defense as a whole did a great job of keeping Hunter Henry pretty much uninvolved in that offense. Uh, Kendrick Bourne only had one or two catches in this game. So kudos to, to everyone in, the, in that back end from keeping the pass catchers out of it for the most part. But yeah, it, it's the little plays like that. The double deflection, Micah Hyde having the wherewithal to follow it, haul it in, get some good yards after the interception. He adds a second one later in the game. This defense as a whole, they gave up 21 points. They let the Patriots move the ball quite a few times. We saw that bend not break. We saw them force some punts. We saw them get some turnovers. There's still a lot of questions about the unit from a pass rush perspective, a run defense perspective, but at the end of the day, they were good enough. And that was one of the game changing plays because even though the bills didn't end up scoring on it, they held the Patriots on the next drive when they were at the one. So nothing really came from it. And again, it took a lot of important time off the clock. By the way, if anybody missed it, if you're following on me on social media, you probably saw my tweet from Christmas Eve. My uncle comes to Christmas Eve every year and he puts together like a list of questions. So what's funny is he writes in an email. He never emails me a list of questions, but for whatever reason, it's like he's going to send it in an email and then he just remembers last minute. Oh, I want to see him at the Chris, at the Christmas Eve party. So he brings the list of questions typed out in the, in the body of an email. He just hit print and it's like a, a hand uh, you know, a, a typed up version. And so he brings it and we go over the question by question. Uh, cause he's a huge Bills fan. He's been a Bills fan for, you know, 60 years. A couple questions and then we're going to, we're going to answer, uh, one in particular at the end of the show here. But before we do that, another shout out, Stefan Diggs after his touchdown. He scores a touchdown on what was an absolute laser beam from Josh Allen. I mean, just one of those like, oh, wow throws. And I thought the, you know, shout out to the Buffalo Bills uh, social media team. They had a really funny uh, video that they put together where I think they, they, they embedded the uh, Dr. Evil, uh, what a freaking laser uh, video <laughs> in there. It was really good. I got a little chuckle out of that. But after the catch, Diggs kind of like rolls to the back of the end zone. And it was a chirpy game between Patriots fans and Bills players. Diggs goes right over to the the front row uh, and and starts pointing you 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 and what I thought he said was shut the front door. He didn't say that. He said something else that's much much worse. And I misquoted <laughs> him, so I'm gonna have to go in and change that because I somebody found a better angle with a, with a little bit more clarity in the audio. But you know, after at the end of the game, after that last touchdown to Dawson Knox. I was watching Allen come off the field right out to the thing. And he immediately looked over to the front row behind the Bills bench where he sits. And he was looking at him. I could see, because I had my binoculars out, I could see a smile 
through the face masks. And he kind of was looking at him. He was smiling. He had a little look of anger and he was just kind of waving bye-bye and he kept pointing at specific people. But that was the kind of vibe in the building. This was a very competitive game with a lot of uh, back and forth. And uh, it was fun. This is what, this is what makes big NFL football games fun. Yeah. And Josh Allen seems to get up for that. Those moments, you know, you go back to Christian Wilkins and him in Miami when he did the little wave to Wilkins late in the game. Same thing here. I'm sure those four to five fans were chirping all game long before the game when he entered to uh, pretty loud boos. I'm sure that uh, he heard a lot from that specific section and he, he made them pay late in the game. So something, again, you, you do love to see it. You'd love to see players kind of get motivated by that and react to that. And, and it paid off for this team. They, they, they got, uh, they were in the right headspace. They had the right emotion in this game and they played with, uh, they played poised, I think, more than the Patriots. So the Patriots kind of had some bad penalties in that matchup. Andrews coming in, chirping after one play where they should have had 15 free yards on Milano. Uh, but he ends up costing his team those yards. So at the end of the day, uh, you, you love to see how the Bills played and how they reacted to that hostile environment. Any more shout outs, Ryan, before we move on to our last portion of the show? Shout out Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary moving his legs for the second straight week on runs, on receptions. He set a tone early in that game where he caught a quick pass from Josh Allen. Kyle Duggar, one of uh, New England's most physical players, comes in, makes contact. And Singletary drags him for about six to seven yards to move the chains. It was just a... Tone setting. Yeah. Just another week where he gets a red zone carry shortly after the the Bills had that turnover on downs where they passed three times uh, in a row after Zach Moss had kind of tripped up, by, uh, was tripped up by Ryan Bates at the one. And he says, you know, you can trust me in those scenarios because he punches it in. He physical run. He mm-hmm. keeps it moving. He might not be that explosive back that ends up with six yards per carry or breaking off 30, 40 yard runs. But he's really turning it on at the right time here, man, proving that he deserves to be the team's number one back and deserves a fair workload, whether that's a a mix as a runner and a receiver, whatever the case may be. Uh, I think he finished with 39 yards as a receiver and a a rusher today. So really nice game, Devin Singletary. Yeah, that was I I really like that play. Uh, You know, anytime you get yards with what looks like, you know, uh, no gain or loss of yards and you turn it in that kind of run, it's, it's energizing. Did you mention, uh, the punter put up a story on that today? I did. I, I did. Yeah. Sh- oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We already, we already covered that. No, no punts today. No punts. That was, yeah. what was the stat? I think I saw Did you put it out there or retweet it that, you know, no team against Bill Bill. I got to find it now. I think I, maybe I, yeah, I, I saw it, it out there. I didn't. Yeah. I think I might've liked to retweet it as well, but no team, has uh, had no punts against a Bill Belichick team before or something like that, or in many, many years. And the Bills just went in and did that today where they didn't finish with any punts whatsoever, move the ball at will against this team. But yeah, uh, Matt Hawk asked for a photograph with Josh Allen post game, just to kind of prove he was there in attendance. Uh, also to thank Allen because it's the first time in his NFL career he's never had a punt in a game. He obviously was, he was key in the holds for Tyler Bass, who was perfect on the day, but uh, Matt Hawk, you know, kudos to you. You you had a nice free trip post Christmas to New England and didn't have to do too much in terms of the punting game today. And yeah, shout out to Josh Allen. A couple of people mentioned this in the chat. He got him he got his uh, offensive line some expensive watches. They obviously seem to be pretty appreciative. So Better yeah, than all things. Yeah, although I, I, I like some Bitcoin. 
I, I take some Bitcoin. That's what Mac Jones did. Mac Jones like yeah, 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 yeah. some cryptocurrency I, I some... and a subscription to a magazine for it. I'm like, eh, we'll see. We'll see. That's like well, that's like George Costanza with that um, where he would write out things to a fake company because we don't know if they're ever going to cash in on that. So wait a second here, Ryan. Well, this is this is kind of we could go spin off. Um, <laughs> I, I've been uh, I've been in on Dogecoin for a while. Speaking of which, my wife hates when I say to the it, moon. Like Dogecoin. Yeah, to the moon. And um, so Bitcoin's at 50K right now. If that mm. goes to like 200K and all these dudes got like, you know, some some pretty good Bitcoin uh, f- from Mac Jones, like I'll be feeling that because I could buy my own watch then. Like with the <laughs> with, with, with the with the scratch that I get off of that. But listen, this is not a do not take any trading advice from the show because i'm really bad at it and uh yeah i just thought the dogecoin like movement was fun to be a part of but i digress okay one of the questions from uncle tony and we were gonna we're gonna get uncle tony on the podcast uh pretty soon it's gotta happen but his one question at the end is where did ryan and i build how have we been able to build our bond because of the you know chemistry that we have on the podcast and everything like that and i thought let's talk it out here ryan Where, where did it come from well, well, first off, shout out to Uncle Tony, because I know you just mentioned that he always types it up in an email and prints it. That's a veteran move, because anytime you start typing an email, it goes to save draft. So he never has to worry about losing that. And Word documents could get lost and could get <laughs> crashed. So savvy veteran move, Uncle Tony. Uh, in, in terms of, you know, where it comes from, I, I, we're just like the right blend of uh, personalities when it comes to interest. You know, you were you watched some wrestling back in the day. I was a diehard mm-hmm. back in the day. I still watch because of my son. Now you are the expert on UFC. I have some background there. We just have like this really good blend where whether it's bills, whether it's NFL, whether it's UFC, we're on the same page, it, movies, TV shows, you name it. Uh, we just have that, that right mix. What was it a few years ago that Deion Dawkins talked about with that macaroni? I don't know. You stir it up. Our chemistry, we stirred it up and it's just that perfect blend, Matt. That's that's as simple as it uh, gets for me. Yeah, Charles G on YouTube says bad apple takes. And you're right, Ryan has the worst <laughs> apple takes out oh, there. No. Um, although I will say I have to kind of take an L on that one because I have I have started to enjoy uh, some Honeycrisp apples. Let's let's not spend too much time on that. Let's move on. Um, no, so I, yeah, I think one of the big pieces of it is having um, – you know, we have a friendship. So, you know, every time we get a chance to sit here and talk about the bills, you know, obviously we spend a lot of time in our life covering the bills. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, we're able to take our friendship. Like Ryan comes over uh, every time he's in, in, in town or if I'm in town, we get the families together. When we did the live podcast with Joe Marino. You know, you probably didn't see it. Well, you saw him at the end. Um, but, you know, my, my son and daughter, Ryan's son and daughter, they were off to the side kind of, you know, getting, uh, you know, hanging out and having fun. And and so like, you know, we just have, you know, when you have that, Ron has the best apple taste. Um, and Donna, Donna, shout out Aunt Donna. Thank you. <laughs> Donna, I'm going to find you some <laughs> phenomenal. Does Donna live in Olean? No. no she, Where she live? No, she's, she's, she's nowhere near us now. She, oh, she, oh, she's going to move back in the next year. So save the apples for when okay. they're in season. She's going to move back. Okay. Okay. Donna, when we, when you get back, I'll make the trip out. We'll watch uh, some Bonaventure basketball and I'll, ha- I'll give you some red delicious apples and, and, and just enjoy the, the deliciousness. Um, no, but just Ryan and I are, are, are really great friends. And, um, yeah, the bromance is strong, Charles. Well said. Yep. Anything else? Final said. thoughts, Ryan Talbot. 
No, just like what you said about the friendship. One last thing, you know, not a knock against my wife. And I don't know about you, but I, I said, you know, it's kind of funny. I'll look at my phone. I don't text my wife every single day. And it's probably because we see each other multiple hours throughout the day, whether it's before school, after school, just in weekends. But you and I, I don't think there's been a day that we haven't texted in quite some time. So like you're always at the very top of my texting list. So that's an, just another thing. It's not just always bills related. We, we have a lot of uh, side jokes, a lot of conversations about things. So, you know, like you said, the, the friendship helps make this uh, thing run and make it churn with a lot of success, as does the Bills Mafia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Indeed. Um, Bill's Mafia, shout out to you. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe before you go. And if you're hosting a large party, you know, throughout this week, next weekend, maybe uh, for Bill's Falcons, um, check out Tops' huge selection of party platters for a delicious, effortless and affordable, no stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com slash fantasy foodball. That'll do it. Buffalo Bills with a Big win today, 33-21 over the New England Patriots. Now both teams, nine and six, the Bills obviously have the tiebreaker. So they went out. Uh, they are the AFC East champions. Guaranteed at least one home game. We'll obviously get into some scenarios uh, on the show on Wednesday. Thank you always for all your support. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. We'll see you then. Have a great week, everyone. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.